the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I'm Seth. As we head into hour two, we find ourselves in an odd situation, an odd election year. You would think someone who is applying for a job would actually believe in the job. When you think about the job of attorney general in the state of Arizona, becoming the state's chief and lead prosecutor, you would think that someone applying for that job would believe in prosecuting crimes. Uh, That is not the case when it comes to the Democratic nominee for that position. Uh, thank God and thank goodness we have our own hard, stoppable force to prevent her from becoming our chief prosecutor and engaging in dereliction of duty from day one to her last day. That is Abe Hamaday, the Republican candidate for attorney general. You've heard him before on this show. Love this guy. Abe for AG is his website, abeforag.com. Abe, welcome back to the show. How you doing, man? Great, Seth. Thank you again. I mean, this campaign started way back in November, and you're an early supporter of mine. Man, look where we look where we came. You know, we knocked out five tough competitive primary opponents, but now we got we're, uh, work to do to, to get rid of the, the Democratic opponent this November because it would be a total disaster if she wins. I am so dang proud of you, Abe, and uh, it also shows you and testifies to the wisdom of uh, the Republican Party in Arizona for putting you over the top and nominating you to be our next attorney general. Abe, there's a lot to talk about in your with your Democrat opponent. And obviously, crime is 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 one of the top issues on uh, voters' minds, as it should be, due to other derelictions of duty. Talk to us about your opponent and her ties to the police movement. Axios had a piece uh, last month. Axios had a piece last month about candidates who are endorsed by Planned Parenthood are getting some pushback from police and law enforcement uh, organizations because to get endorsed from Planned Parenthood, as your opponent has been, you have to sign on to the Planned Parenthood pledge to defund the police. Talk to us about this. That's absolutely right. So yesterday we actually came out with a statement because my opponent, Chris Mays, she, she has been endorsed by Planned Parenthood in Arizona. And as you mentioned, Planned Parenthood has said that they support defunding the police. And in order to get their endorsement, you have to pledge to defund the police and not accept any police support. So I have called out my opponents, and I say that she has to make a decision. She has to decide whether she stands with Planned Parenthood or whether she stands with a law enforcement officer. Our law enforcement officers, our police, they have to go through so much every single day. They go to the streets of war on our behalf. And for uh, for an attorney general not to have their backs and for her to be playing politics this way is unacceptable. So... You know, I'm, I'm calling for her to make that decision right now. And, you know, I'm honored to, within hours of my win, that we have the endorsements of the top law enforcement organizations in the state. Um, and, you know, they, they recognize what's happening right now, that the, the Democrats, and my opponent especially, she would not be a friend to law enforcement. This is this is a person, Chris May, she, she has said that she supports uh, cash bail, uh, getting rid of cash bail. 
and all this criminal justice reform nonsense. But it's not even the justice reform. It's irresponsible for criminal justice reform. And if you're looking at it, it's, it their whole intent is to dismantle, to dismantle the criminal justice. I won't tolerate that. If you look at her top three priorities of, of her office, that she has said her top three priorities are climate change, abortion rights, and social justice. Now, to me, those look like the syllabus of a professor at ASU, which makes sense because that's what she is, <laughs> a professor at ASU for sustainability. My top priorities are our border, getting our borders secure, stopping the flow of fentanyl and the drugs that are coming across with it, as well as taking on and, and going against these George Soros prosecutors and getting tough on crime again because our cities have turned into Gotham so quickly. So we're going to focus on the issues that matter most to Arizonans. That's exactly what we're going to do right now. Yeah, she wants to turn the prosecutor's office and the attorney general's office into a sociology department. You had a great line the other day. I think it was uh, when she was putting out a statement on fighting climate change as her top priority for attorney general. I think she, you said something like, Chris Mays wants to fight rising tides. I want to fight rising crime, huh? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, she has literally said that she wants to, on her on day one of her office, when she, uh, on day one, she wants to appoint a climate change law. I know, I, can't, I shouldn't laugh. It's frightening, actually. I shouldn't it, laugh. It, 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 it's frightening to Arizonans, to businesses. I mean, she, she it, it's frightening how close she is. And I tell folks, you know, look how she won. She, she won her primary because she had no opponent set. Yeah. I mean, they, the Democrats, they run unopposed. The Democrats run their primaries like Saddam Hussein ran his election. Right. No no choice. And that's, you know, that's what they're left with. So she's a particularly weak candidate, in my opinion. I mean, she is not in tune of what's actually going on on the ground. She is stuck behind her desk at, 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 a, at her university setting. So, you know, we're going to focus on the issues that matter most. I mean, if you saw the fentanyl, I don't know if you saw the fentanyl seizure the other day. Oh, yeah. When they're packaging fentanyl that that looks like rainbow candy yep. to, to children. This is what's scary. We had over 1 million, uh, 1 million fentanyl pills seized in, in a few-week period in August. I mean, this is enough that can kill the entire country. Yep. Abe, um, when when I when I when I look at some of the stuff your opponent is putting out, I, I do have to tell you, I, you don't know whether to laugh or to cry. The former CIA director, Michael Hayden, uh, said that basically half of America, Republicans, are the most serious threat in the world, more so than terrorists. She supports that and condemned you for criticizing it. I mean, it is odd how far left wing this person who wants to be our top prosecutor is, isn't it? It, it? Yeah, I mean, all they're doing is reacting to us, but you're right. The, the former CIA director, Michael Hayden, you know, I think so irresponsibly said that Republicans are now a more dangerous threat than terrorists, yep. than foreign terrorists. Yep. Think about that. And that's why this, this is exactly why I won the nomination, because I'm the one that was brave enough to take on people like the former CIA director. I'm the one brave enough to, to actually speak the truth. And for Chris Mays to suddenly say that, you know, she was attacking me because I was attacking the former CIA director. I don't care what he was. What he said was wrong. And this is the same former CIA director, Michael Hayden, who said that Hunter Biden's laptop story was that was Russian disinformation. Can you believe that? And now we all know that was true. Yeah. I mean, th- this is what's going on. The deep state is very real, real. The swamp is real. And the media has become the propaganda arm of the Democratic Party. And this is why I don't tolerate that this is not the free and fair press of, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. 
this is absolute insanity what's going on, and they're giving Chris Mays a free pass. And she's worried because, you know, we have quite a Twitter presence and yep. social media presence, and so we're, we're attacking her because I'm not going to let her go, um, you know, untouched with all of her all of her crazy ideas because we have to defeat the Democrats this November and included in this, this the whole the whole media is watching the whole national media is watching what we're doing in Arizona yeah. because there's some serious ramifications for, for for this race in November. You bet. And uh, speaking of social media, your Twitter account at Abraham Hamaday H A M A D E H. One last question. I know you have to run and and it's busy, but I just. You know, for the listeners who uh, – I think this audience is pretty good at it, but, you know, for the friends that they have, it's important they connect the dots. When we turn on the TV and see scenes of, like, this guy in New York who's clocking a guy from behind and sends him into the oh. hospital for no reason, this uh, sucker punch from behind, this is the result of getting rid of cash bail. When we see the throngs of people storming these convenience stores, we see this stuff on TV, our jaws drop, and we ask, how can this be – it's because of prosecutors who want to do things like getting rid of cash bail. Right, Abe? I want people to connect these dots. You can go that way, or you can go with Abe Hamaday and stop it. Yeah, you're exactly right. And if you saw that that mob scene in 7-Eleven, yeah. California, right. about thousands of people rushing the store, that's what goes on. It's thoughts on crime policies. And, you know, as quickly as things can change once you elect a radical leftist prosecutor, it can also quickly turn around very fast. I mean, I, I talked to Bernie Carrick, the former NYPD police commissioner on 9-11, who was there with Giuliani. I mean, you know, I talked to him all the time, and we're talking about how quickly New York changed mm-hmm. under Giuliani and Bernie Carrick once you got tough on crime and, and finally criminals see that there's ramifications and there's yep. consequences for action. So that's exactly what I intend to do when I take office this November. Go get him. And by the way, if you ever have a chance to go to a rally with Abe, they're great They're great events. You put on a great show. Abe for AG.com. Abe for AG. Abe, I, I always feel guilty about asking you on because I know how busy you are and how busy you have to be to win this election. So go get him. Thanks for uh, staying close to us, and thanks for doing what you're doing, man, on behalf of the state of Arizona. Thank you very much. Thank you, Seth, and thank you for being a friend. You betcha. Go get him. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Your dollar buys less today than it did a month ago. Paper money continues to be worth Less and less. You know this every time you go shopping, as do I. The good news is gold and other precious metals traditionally hold their value when economies are falling and failing like now. I don't have confidence in this government, but I do have confidence in things like hard and precious and tangible assets like precious metals. If you're interested in adding precious metals to your portfolio to protect your investments in retirement, check out the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. They're happy to talk to you about diversifying. Give them a call also at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Many of you already own precious metals from the Midas Gold Group. I do. Seb Gorka does. And those who don't, you can too. Again, MidasGoldGroup.com. You heard an ad from Larry Elder there. He's coming to Phoenix August 24th. He'll be here with Brandon Tatum. We're going to do a uh, debuting a premiere of his new movie, Uncle Tom 2, August 24th, Uncle Tom 2. 
Uh, and um, it's going to be a live um, appearance with Larry and Brandon, who will also take Q&A from you in the audience after the after the show, uh, after the movie. Uh, we have a couple free tickets to give away right now. Um, if you are caller number three at 602-508-0960, we'll give you a pair of those free tickets to see Uncle Tom, too. If you aren't caller number three and still interested in coming, you can get tickets at 960thepatriot.com. That's Uncle Tom, too, with Larry Elder, Brandon Tatum, taking your questions uh, after showing the movie um, August 24th. 960thepatriot.com for uh, those tickets to buy. And if you're uh, caller number, uh, what did I say, caller number three, we will uh, happily give you a free pair right now. Um, This is kind of interesting. I'm going to talk to uh, Pete Peterson later in the show about a couple of things on his mind. One of the interesting things he's been tweeting about is a new study on uh, the workforce in America, which is to say the um, in, in his case, the um, the absence of men in the working age category who are interested in working, who are involved in seeking employment, finding employment or engaging in employment. We say working age males. We're talking about an age cohort that's roughly uh, 25 ages, uh, men aged 25 to 54. 25 to 54 is how our government categorizes uh, working age males. And what's interesting to me uh, about the studies on this that are coming out more, uh, more commonly, more routinely now, is that we have a crisis here of men who are not interested in work. These are not men who have won the lottery. These are not men who have inherited wealth. These are men who should be working but seem to have no interest in working. That population was about 3% in the 1950s. You know, you go back and watch some of those, your favorite TV shows. Uh, I don't know of any, anything from, I don't know, uh, I love Lucy, you name it. I, I I don't care. Whatever the shows were you were watching, Dick Van Dyke, whatever you were watching in the 1950s, <laughs> you know, you saw these working men put on a tie, go to work, come back, and the comedy ensues. But they were working men. There was an ethos of work. 3% of the working male population, 3% wasn't in the workforce back then. 3%. Today, that's uh, basically quadrupled to now uh, 12% and rising. Uh, It's a population now of somewhere around 10 million American males just not working. Uh, Doing what? Screens, screens, but not spreadsheets on a computer screen. Games, video games, computer games, um, and drugs. 50% of that population that isn't working, that is eligible to work, are addicted to opioids. Opioids. Drugs is responsible or a part of at least half of that. Half of that. And by the way, yeah, a lot of that is Medicaid too. A lot of Medicaid paying for it, but also a lot of it, the bulk of it, being illegal. This country went on a tear for a year and a half. Uh, tear on discouraging work, shutting down businesses, 
shutting down businesses that uh, the blue collar and the non-white collar uh, people needed. Uh, needed not only to feed their families, but uh, needed to do because work is in and of itself a good thing. A new study just came out. Uh, who are the employees or what industries, what occupations saw most people stop working last year? It's interesting. It's not lawyers. It's not lawyers. They're actually, believe it or not, the legal industry saw the least amount of people stop working throughout COVID. Isn't that interesting? You want to know who the number one position was for occupations that stopped working? Drivers, taxi drivers. Uh, And then we get into waiters and waitresses. The food industry took it heavily. Uh, Obviously, child workers, but cashiers, cashiers, people at the grocery stores, People at the retail stores, of course, of course, we closed all those down. Of course, we did. And of course, they simply stopped working. It's not that they switched occupations. That's a different category. And that's part of the study, too. I'm talking about people that just got discouraged from working and discouraged from working because of government edict and policy. It's unnatural. It's an unnatural condition to put people in. Work is a work is a virtue. Busyness is a value. Uh, it's, it's it's so ingrained in us. I'm going to get into this with Pete a little bit, I think, in our third hour. But it's it's it's, it's so endemic to our nature. It's one of the things kids love to play at doing. Kids love to do things like play store. They love to do things like have um, lemonade stands. They, they it's it's a natural thing. Industriousness is natural. It's natural. And there's a reason for the phrase that trips off the tongue without a lot of people thinking about it. But that phrase being idle hands are the devil's workshop. You think about six million American men in their prime of working life, not working, but doing drugs. That's a pretty good example of idle hands being the devil's workshop. But that's not the only part of it. It's what else they're doing and what else they're not doing and what it's costing us. And the government had a role in this, had a very big role in this. It's not that we want the workers of the world to unite here. That's an alien philosophy that works only in the minds of about 12 members of Congress and two senators I can think of off the top of my head. But capitalism depends on the work ethic. And when you think about the Democratic Party today, it's the same Democratic Party Barry Goldwater described in 1960 when he said they propose a blueprint for socialism where one of their three objectives is the ruination of the American economic way of life. Yeah, they're doing it. I'm Seth, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. By the way, I did mean to mention this, uh, folks. Welcome back, 602-508-0960. I did mean to mention um, in my interview with Abe Hamaday at the ta- earlier part of this hour, um, he had mentioned uh, the seizures by uh, CPB, Customs Border Patrol, uh, uh, here in Arizona of these fentanyl pills 
that have a candy type appearance. They uh, they they look like candy. They 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 look like uh, sweet tarts. That's what they look like. And if you want a visual, um, you can. Uh, I just retweeted a picture of them uh, on 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 Twitter. I'm at Seth Liebson, uh, by the way. If you want to follow me or, or look at what I, I tweeted out. If you want to see a picture of these, you can you can go to my Twitter page at Seth Liebson, uh, and I spell my name differently than it's pronounced. It's L E I B S O H N. But anyway, you can you can find it. Um, there's someone who has the name Seth and spells it the way it is pronounced. It's not me. Uh, he's not on my political side of the aisle either. <laughs> I kind of feel badly for him. <laughs> I kind of do a little bit, but not too terribly badly. Maybe he'll come my way and will really confuse people. Uh, I got to give props uh, to um, the man who never disappoints. Never disappoints. Governor Ron DeSantis. Can I give you um, just a, a moment of his uh, from the um, from a conference uh, he was speaking at yesterday? Uh, someone said here he goes full Churchill. Uh, and yeah, he, he pretty much does. This this is great. Uh, just you'll you'll want to hear this. You see it in education. You see it in these different things. It's a very oppressive ideology. It's totally divorced from reality. And I think in Florida, and we need this to be true in Pennsylvania, around the country, we can't just stand idly by why, why, while woke ideology ravages every institution in our society. We must fight the woke in our schools. We must fight the woke in our businesses. We must fight the woke in government agencies. We can never, ever surrender to woke ideology. And I'll tell you this, the state of Florida is where woke goes to die. It's pretty good, isn't it? Channeling Churchill will fight them on the beaches. Yeah, it's good. He's he just he doesn't disappoint. He got them on their feet. Yes, you can hear the standing, the standing ovation there. Now, states like Florida have really been the vanguard of protecting people from the poor policies of the Biden administration. And I think if you have a governor here working with your legislature, uh, that'll be some of the best protection you can have to have somebody like Doug Mastriano fighting back for you. So he was doing that in Pennsylvania. The same thing could be said here. He also has a tremendous sense of humor, Ron DeSantis. For those of you, I don't know if you can pick up on this, uh, just to get a sense of his sense of humor. Politics used to be fun. It should be fun. When I think of Biden, I think of him staring like a deer in the headlights at the teleprompter. And he does an imitation of him. End of quote. Repeat the line. <laughs> pretty, pretty funny, isn't he? Anyway, you want to know where this comes from, folks? It's the lab leak I often talk about. The lab leak far more dangerous and far more noxious and far more toxic than anything that came out of Wuhan, China. And it's the lab leak that came out of our ivory towers, our colleges and our universities I, you know, I, we all of us used to say when college kids came home for college break, spring break, Christmas break, Thanksgiving, and they were quoting, you know, weird philosophers we'd never heard of and Marxist this and Marxist that. We, we thought they'd grow out of it once they left college. We were wrong. We were wrong. Uh, Adam Carolla put this the other day. Uh, I think it was Adam Carolla, 
maybe Greg Gutfeld. It was in an interview with Greg Gutfeld. And they remember this, Bill? Uh, one of them was saying, you know, we used to make fun of these kids that would uh, major in uh, gender studies um, because we said, well, you know, maybe maybe major in something that can offer you a job. He says, turns out they were. There are places now, a lot of them, that want people with majors in gender studies, and they happen to run the world. They happen to run the world. Major corporations Social media is the beginning of it, but not the end of it. Coke isn't a social media company. Nike isn't a social media company. Neither are most of our entertainment and news corporations. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-5089-60. We'll be right back. For those of you looking for a remarkable investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out my friends at Y-Refi. What they are offering is a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm where the investors do really well by doing good for others, and you can too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y. Refy.com. They're a local company. You can give them a call and visit with them as well. They won't give you a sales pitch. They'll just uh, talk about what they do and let it speak for itself. 855-316-3087. That's 855-316-3087. When I'm talking about woke ideology, as Ron DeSantis was, and so we were mentioning it in the previous uh, segment, um, yeah, it, there are corporations that will hire. Uh, most of them now, the big ones do hire people who major in woke ideological studies. That's not, I don't think yet, a major, but gender studies are and feminist studies are. Let me tell you, there's an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. This is how it starts. It starts in the schools. You get the kids. You get to the kids and you've got a lifetime brain and a lifetime customer. This guy, um, Daniel Buck writes, I studied for a master's degree in education at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. My program was batty. We made Black Lives Matter friendship bracelets. It's graduate school. I wish you guys could see Bill's face. I, w- <laughs> I don't want a camera in here, but I want a camera in your studio. Your facial expressions, Bill. <laughs> so th- he's in graduate school, okay? He's in graduate school. Graduate school. We made Black Lives Matter friendship bracelets. We passed around a popsicle stick to designate whose turn it was to talk while professors compelled us to discuss our life's traumas. We read poems through the lenses of Marxism and critical race theory in preparation for our students doing the same. Our final projects were acrostic poems or ironic rap videos. I got to pause on this and just tell you, I went to grad school. I went to two grad schools. I just can't imagine. Can you imagine what Charles Kessler or Harry Jaffa would say if I came to them and said, I think we should make friendship bracelets as part of the curriculum, as part of your course? Can you imagine what any of those teachers you and I had would have said, Bill, or even an undergrad? Could you imagine? Anyway, this is your graduate degree in education right now. He writes, at the time, I figured my experience was unique. Surely I thought other teach prep programs focused on human cognition, behavioral management, child psychology, and other educational practicalities. Alas, my program was mild compared with what current graduates must suffer. 
He went to school five years ago. The Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty has reviewed the required course through 14 programs for teachers to be in the Badger State. These programs produce 80% of all teaching graduates in the state each year. What they found was shocking. Worldview building and ideological manipulation take precedence over teacher prep. He's wrong about that. He's wrong about that. Worldview building and ideological manipulation is today now considered teacher prep. Didn't take precedence over it. It is it. But he'd probably agree with my correction. On the syllabi, noticeably lacking are academic literature or manuals of classroom instruction. Instead, Hollywood movies like Freedom Writers, popular books like Letters to a Young Teacher from Jonathan Kozel, and propaganda like Anti-Racist Baby abound. That's your Ibrahim Kendi. In place of academic essays, graduate students write personal poems or collect photographs. These kitschy activities infantilize what ought to be a rigorous pursuit of professional competency. Yep, that's right. We have children in adult bodies, and we brew them in our colleges and graduate schools. The University of Wisconsin-River Falls defines education, quote, as a social justice and change agent, close quote. The University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point, uh, Point commits to anti-racism. Each program exhibits a philosophy of education called critical pedagogy, made popular by Brazilian Marxist Paulo Freire, that envisions schools as places not of academic instruction but of societal change. If you listen to Pete Peterson and I, um, often we will talk about Paulo Freire's uh, dominance and importance in the field of education. Uh, This author, Mr. Buck, Freire, one of the authors assigned most often in schools of education, mapped the oppressor-oppressed dichotomy onto the teacher-student relationship and advocated for what he believed was liberatory education. You like that phrase, liberatory education? He cited the Maoist and Leninist revolutions as ideals of his thought in action. Where Ferrer shifts from Marxist ramblings to practical advice, he encourages teachers to spur their students toward discontent with the world around them. If there's practical training involved, it's likely to be about how to discuss LGBTQ plus issues with three-year-olds. The same philosophy encourages action civics. Rather than teaching a straightforward history curriculum, educators are expected to encourage their students to advocate for social change. Wisconsin is no outlier. Progressive activism is flooding American classrooms because teacher prep programs are steeped in it. In 2019... The Martin Center for Academic Renewal reviewed the education school syllabi at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, the University of Michigan, and the University of Wisconsin-Madison. The study's author said the results are unequivocal. Quote, the most influential thinkers in our education schools are radicals who adhere to a collectivist, utopian vision. What teachers-to-be aren't being taught is even more concerning. The National Council on Teacher Quality reviewed how many schools of education taught prospective elementary school teachers the science of reading. Decades-old research that confirms the the necessity of phonics, spelling, and vocabulary instruction. Guess what? 15% of schools emphasized these elements in 2006. Think about that. 15% of schools emphasized these elements in 2006. 20% from the most recent survey. The implications of these syllabi are 
chilling. The Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty reports almost 2,000 students graduate yearly from Wisconsin's teacher training programs. Think about that. That's just Wisconsin. 2,000 teachers a year graduate steeped in this stuff. At Teachers College Columbia University, they have more than 90,000 alumni right now. These institutions are producing a workforce imbued with radical ideology and no instructional skills. Their influence over thought, policy, and instructional practice and curricula is wide and far-reaching. Far-reaching. Shut these things down. Shut them down. You think it's going to be hard to shut the FBI down? It's going to be harder to shut this stuff down. But there are ways to do it, by the way. There are ways to do it. You just seek alternative credentialing. That's how you do it. You strip them of their needs. If there's no demand, the supply dries up. So governors and state legislators, get to it. Get to it. Get to real teachers, not these educated, learned ignoramuses. Think, thinking about that column I was reading to you about what the teachers' schools and graduate schools in education are, uh, are teaching now, it put me in mind of something uh, when he was Secretary of State, Bill Bennett said, he, in, a, in, a, in a famous speech he gave back then, he said, what should our children know? It's not how to turn your country into a Maoist nightmare. George Orwell somewhere said that often it is the first duty of intelligent men to restate the obvious. Restate the obvious. Every student, every student should know how, he says in the elementary schools, how mountains are made and that for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. They should know who said I am the state and who said I have a dream. They should know what they should know about subjects and predicates, about isosceles triangles and ellipses. They should know where the Amazon flows and what the First Amendment means. They should know about the Donner Party and slavery and Shylock and Hercules and Abigail Adams and where Ethiopia is and what the Berlin Wall stood for. They should know a little of how a poem works, how a plant works, and what it means to say if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. They should know the place of the Milky Way and the DNA and the unfolding of the universe. They should know something about the Constitutional Convention of 1787 and about the conventions of good behavior. They should know a little of what the Sistine Chapel looks like and what great music sounds like. Our students should know how our nation's ideals and aspirations unfold and what they should be. For instance, they should know a little bit about liberty and equality and and limited government and the betterment of the human condition. For these truths underlie our society, and though they may be self-evident, they are not spontaneously apprehended. Our students should know these ideals, and they should know that a large part of the world thinks and acts according to other beliefs. That was, uh, I think, his inaugural speech, Secretary of Education, which would have been, what, about 1985. You say that today, you'll either get blank stares or censorship, cancellation. Really interesting, isn't it? What we used to take as basic common sense and appreciation. I just read that the Department of Education here in Arizona's portal for people to uh, apply for the new education uh, uh, education savings accounts, uh, scholarship accounts, the new uh, the new school choice programs, guess what? The website at the Department of Education here in Arizona shut down. 
because of too much high volume. It couldn't deal with all the people who want to change their schools. Question is, are there enough schools of decency? Are there enough good schools to take them? And that requires legislation, too. Choice is important. So, too, is content. I'm Seth Liebson. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.